Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. It is so good to have you all here. I am hanging out, getting ready for Halloween, um, trying to pick out my costume. We have a family theme this year, so it's Harry Potter year for our family. Um, And it turns out that being Lily and James Potter is more challenging than one might imagine. So, um, but we are pulling it together. And meanwhile, I'm excited to be here to talk to you guys um, about somebody else's book journey. And you guys are going to like this one because Michelle Mazur is the author of Speaking Up for Your Business. And when we talk to Michelle, um, you're going to find out about her book journey, how she came to write her book. But if you're like most authors, you have plans for speaking uh, about your book and, and about the topics you care about. So you're going to get a little double dose here. We're going to get some of Michelle's wisdom, uh, some of which is in her book, about um, how you can use speaking, what, what are some of the, the secrets for entrepreneurs who are ready to tell, sell, and compel. So welcome, Michelle Mazur, to the show. Hey there. Hey, Angela. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. So let's just start off with your book. Can you tell us what Speaking Up for Your Business is about? Yeah, Speak Up for Your Business is a book that I wrote for specifically for entrepreneurs about public speaking because I take the view that public, like your, the speech that you create about your business is an asset to your business. It's a product that you can sell over and over and over again and generate revenue. And I really wanted to give an alternative from like selling like products and programs and services from the stage, but instead focusing on the audience and creating a really great experience for them and one where they want to continue the relationship with you. So that's what the book is all about in a nutshell. That's fantastic. So um, let's talk a little bit about how this book came to be, how it came to life. Tell us about your process. How did you pick the topic of writing this book? Yeah, I picked the topic because I have a Ph.D. in communication. Speaking has always been something that I was passionate about ever since my first public speaking class at, like, 15 years old in front of the boy I liked that was just completely disastrous. But I love, like, oh, it was horrible. I spit on him. It was a bad scene. Oh, like, <laughs> oh my. Worst experience ever. But I knew that if I could master that skill, that I could influence change and open up possibilities for other people's lives. And so I just 
became dedicated to studying the art of public speaking. And eventually that led me to a PhD in communication and I studied persuasion and taught argumentation and debate as a professor. And it was, it was an amazing journey. So I kind of had my book topic already since I was a freshman in high school. (laughs) So I was lucky that way. And that's how the book, that's how I selected the topic because I knew this is what I want to be known for. And so I know when you wrote the book, or at least when you started it, you actually had a a full-time job and you have transitioned to working with entrepreneurs on their, on their speaking skills um, full-time since then. How, um, how did you decide when you were leaving your leaving your corporate job or knowing you were going to leave, how did you decide like what the angle needed to be to kind of help parlay the book into a business that you could support yourself with? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. So I think, you know, I, I had been, I guess two things in tandem. I'd been growing my platform for a while, like even before the book, like the book was part of a bigger plan, even though I might not have been aware of it at the time (laughs) when I was doing this. So I started blogging first and I had a following and I had an email list and all of those things you really need if you want to run a business where you're attracting clients and marketing. And then the book was really about establishing more credibility because I know from working with speakers that having a book is just a great booster for them because Mm -hmm. not only do they have something to sell at speaking gigs, because that's always great to have your book in the back of the room and it's typically a very easy sell for speakers. But when people are looking to book speakers, they're like, Oh wow, you're serious because you have a book. And that was one of the things that I was thinking about because it was this credibility booster, but also it helped me, outline the process and how like I've created a whole methodology around how I work with speakers and the book was an integral part of helping me flesh out all of those thoughts. Okay. So Cause could. this is what I want to get into. There are lots okay. of people who are currently in a job and they're thinking it's sort of all or nothing. Like they have to figure out yeah. the perfect idea and, you know, get their website done and get their process done and then they'll go get clients. And so the the journey I'm trying to lead you on here is that I believe, tell me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. but while you were still working, you were actually taking clients and developing this process and sort of figuring out who you were kind of while you had an income. Is that kind of how yes. it went? That's my story about oh, you. <laughs> that, that was exactly how it went. That's exactly what I did. I was working full-time but taking clients on, like, my lunch break or in the mornings or in the evenings and working on figuring out my process and my methodology and how I best worked with people. And I think if you want to make the leap into being a full-time entrepreneur, that having your day job is a great safety net for a while as you start to start figuring things out. Because, I mean, it didn't matter. Like I know one month I think I made $88 from my business, like a whopping 88 bucks, right? (laughs) Big month. Yeah, it was like a huge month for me, but I had the full-time job. So it didn't didn't impact me all that much. And then then you can just like test and you don't have to stress that you're not going to be able to 
be able to pay your mortgage or your credit card bill or your for your car get food because you still have that income coming in and then there'll just become a point where it feels like okay i'm kind of reaching like critical mass of where i need to make a decision i have to take if if i don't take the leap now i'm never going to do it right Right, but here's the thing that I love is most people take the leap, and, you know, you mentioned you were a, um, like, an argument and debate professor. You know, Uh most people would take that leap, and they could be in the world of speaking but focused on how to win a debate or training political pundits. And there's a hundred places where your business Mm -hmm. could have gone. Um, And so what I'll see people do is they start by writing the book, and they're like, I know about argument and debate. And so they start writing that book, but what they haven't figured out yet is, is there a market there? Um, Mm -hmm. And so what's so great about the approach you took is, number one, you actually, you know, made a little money and figured out your market. Then number two, writing the book after you'd actually talked to people is such a different experience. I mean, talked to and worked with people is such a different experience than just making it up in your head. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and I also have a background in market research, right? So that's what we do in market research. Before you launch a new product, well, and make sure it's something that they want or that they need. And it it's eye-opening to hear their perspective because some people, I mean, still now even once the book is out, now that the book has been out for a while, um, people don't understand that there's actually like a whole process that you can easily implement to write a speech. It is eye-opening for them. And it's, you know, it's great that it's in the book. It's great that they can work with me in that way. But that was one of the things I saw is that people were struggling with the creative process of writing a speech because they were just like, all right, open PowerPoint, slide one. (laughs) What should I put? (laughs) Right. Right. And that's exactly what happens with books, too. You know, somebody goes for a walk, they have an idea, oh, I should write a book about this. And then they sit down and start writing. And, you you know, you can finish your PowerPoint that way. You can finish your speech that way or your book. But it's not, uh, it's definitely going to be a lot harder. And it's not necessarily going to get you to your goal as easily Mm -hmm. if you sort of start with that end in mind. Yeah, because I think, I mean, just like the book, you need a strategy. Like, you need to understand, like, how the book fits into your overall plan and if it's going to get you where you want to go and it's going to serve the people that you want to be serving. Otherwise, there's no point. Right. Otherwise, why are we doing this? Exactly. Just um, create a trophy for our shelves or something. So. Okay, so you worked with some clients. You figured out what the book needed to be. You picked your topic. What happened next for you? How did you how did you get the book written? So it was interesting because even though I had like my audience and my niche, I still had some false starts with the book, um, which I think is fine. And I and I, that's one thing I would tell people: like you might have a great book idea, and then you end up tweaking it two or three times during the process. Because that's what mm. I found out. Because at first I was going to talk just about like how it's all right to embrace all of, like, your foibles and mistakes and speaking and own that. And then I got bored with it and realized I couldn't write a whole book on it. 
And then I went into storytelling and I was like, okay, this is great too, but I don't want to write a whole book on that. And I was able to use all of those false starts. But my process was since I was writing a book while working a full-time job, I had to get very intentional about my schedule. (laughs) And Mm. one of the first things I did was I mined my blog posts because I had been blogging for like a couple of years at that point, and I already had a lot of intellectual property around my views on speaking. So I mined that first. And then I started putting together like the overall outline of how I think things should go. And then I would set up time every morning for like an hour before I'd go from go to work. So I didn't have to be at work till like nine. So I would like write between seven and eight and work on the book. And sometimes it wasn't every day because I had other things to do on the business. But I tried to consistently get, like, three sessions in during the week and then a couple of hours on Saturday and Sunday because that was the only way it was ever going to get done while working full time. So I was very structured and sat my butt down no matter what. I love that for sure. And so um, and so you, you mind your blog posts. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mind your blog posts. Did you end up, did you find that you edited them very much? I Did you, like, did. rewrite them, or did you sort of take them, like, right as they were? Um, I took some of them as they were, and then I, because, you know, writing a blog post is very different than writing a book, um, and there was great ideas that I could use, but I felt like some of them could just use a lot more explaining than you would do in a blog post, Right. Because otherwise mm-hmm. your blog post would be epic and no one would read it. So um, I would take the base of the ideas and then flesh them out further, tell more stories around them, put more practical examples, maybe like an activity or something to help people work through the book. So it was a little bit of like, yeah, I can take some of this, but it needs to be fleshed out. But at least it gave me a structure to work on right. or to work within. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that question. Like they feel like, well, I have this blog. Can I just turn these blogs as a collection of blogs into a book? And like from a printing perspective, sure, you can. Mm -hmm. Um, But a book has sort of a different goal than a blog post. So I like how you use them, but then um, so you weren't sort of starting with a blank page, but then flesh them out. So, yeah, and and seeing how they connected and organizing them and it was, it was, yeah, it was good to have a starting point because then I could, like, go through all the blog posts and be like, oh, well, these two are related, so I need to – the chapter needs to be about these two things. So is there anything that you wish you knew before you wrote your book that you learned from the process of writing it? <laughs> I think – I mean, one of the things that I wish I would have known was not to overcomplicate the process. Because I, like, I, as, as I go along in my business, I'm a bigger and big believer in simplicity and just, like, don't overcomplicate it. Just sit down and do the work. Because writing a book is a process, as you well know, Angela, because you have a great process. <laughs> and, you know, it's about trusting that process and not overthinking it because I can be an overthinker and sit there in front of the computer and be like, well, if I say it this way, or maybe I should be positioning it this way. And that was not 
serving me. So that's one of the things is just to sit down and kind of get your brain out of the way to write your crappy first draft. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. um, so do you think, is it, have you thought about writing a second book? I have, but I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were, let's let's go there for a minute. Like, do you think that there are some things you would do differently this time to not get swept into that loop of complication? Oh, well, I think there's some practical things. Like, I would definitely turn off all of the editing features in Word or Google Docs or whatever that tell you that you spelled something wrong or there's a grammatical error. Oh, that's a that, great point. <laughs> that stuff distracts me. And instead of writing, I'm correcting and writing as I go, and that uses kind of two parts of two different parts of your brain and not mm-hmm. efficient. So, and I would think um, how – I think the other thing I would do is, you know, I think I really would like working with someone like you would probably shave months and months off of the topic, off of the process, because having more of that structure and being more intentional about what I'm creating from the start and what purpose it serves, I think Mm. would be very beneficial. Love that. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk. To, let's talk about um, life after we've done the before and the process of writing your book. What's the best thing to have come from having your own book? So I love it when I'm on a sales co- or a sales call and someone quotes me to me from the book. It oh, that's one so of- cool. I know. It's like one of my favorite things, although sometimes it's a bit embarrassing because they'll say something to me and I'm like, wow, that's a really great point. And they say, I know it's from your book. <laughs> yes, chapter five, paragraph two. I know because they've just like gone through it and are excited about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I haven't read it in a while. It is in my book. But I love that because I just know, it's like, oh, okay, so they already know how I view public speaking. They know my viewpoints on it. They know how I do it differently. And so it makes the conversation, you know, sales conversations a lot easier. And it's cool to be quoted, right? Like, that's awesome. But it's also great when you have people who are already really knowledgeable about what you do because they read the book. And has it changed the sales process? Do you think people are more likely to sign up or they come into the sales process with a different level of confidence about working with you? Both. So I think it shortens the time for them to sign up because working with me is an investment. And, you know, it's not something you take lightly. And plus the work we do is pretty intimate because I'm all up in your business messaging. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And like being like very introspective and really push you to do the same. So I think it shortens that sales process and it does give people more confidence because, you know, having the PhD in communication helps me. It's definitely a competitive advantage, but then also having the book is like uh, just like another competitive advantage that other speaking coaches don't have necessarily. Hmm. 
Yeah. And the thing is, like, if somebody reads your book and they like your methods, they can't really go to another speaking coach and be like, can you teach me the methods from Michelle's book? And yeah. it sort of makes you the only person they can work with if they like what you're teaching in that book and they're going to hire someone. It's most likely yeah. going to be you. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise if they go to someone, that person might be like, well, that's not the way I work. Right, and they probably would. Yeah, and and they don't have all of the, like, you know, there's a whole system that I have in place when I work with people, and they don't have access to that intellectual capital or how I see things because my brain works very differently than a lot of people's. Mm. So if you like the thinking in that book and you want it applied to your message and to your speech, then, yeah, it becomes the no-brainer to hire me. Absolutely. Love that. So now um, let's talk a little bit about your specialty, which is speaking. Have there been Mm -hmm. speaking opportunities that have come to you because of the book? And what's what's your general advice about how a book can help you Um, get in front of an audience to speak? Yeah, I definitely feel like I've gotten speaking opportunities from the book. And for me, I have very specific goals around my speaking. Like I only want to speak between eight to ten times a year, and that's because I don't – I want to be home. I don't like to travel. Well, I like to travel, but I don't like to travel for speaking because it's pretty unglamorous. (laughs) (laughs) changing in a public restroom before a speaking gig so yeah that's the glamorous life of a speaker everyone super sexy yeah (laughs) yeah so I I do feel it can get you speaking gigs and it's also something when someone is interested in hiring you you can send them your book like if you have contact like somebody contacts you and is like hey I was looking at your website it's really you know you're very interesting I'm looking for speakers and then you start having an interaction with them you can send them your book and that is something that's typically very impressive to them when when they're interested in you so yeah it's definitely gotten me speaking gigs and the nice thing is is since I am not an advocate for selling from the stage I don't like the book kind of sells itself at speaking gigs. Like you don't need to push right. the book. You don't, have you to don't push need to sit it. there. Here are the three yeah. reasons why you should purchase this book. I know. And the great thing is when the person, your MC who introduces you typically takes your book on stage with them and shows it to everyone in the audience. So they're selling it for you. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind. So yeah, your book can definitely, Um, get you speaking gigs and your book can also be your speech your speech is in your book so if you're out there and you're thinking I want to become a speaker I don't know what I want to speak on and you have a book your topic's already in there it's about mining it mining that book for your topic and then positioning your message so that you're the go-to expert in that industry yeah So are there ways, um, do you usually respond to incoming requests or do you pursue speaking opportunities? So most of my speaking opportunities come to me through my network. So um, it's funny, I just started a podcast the other day or like a few weeks ago and have a Facebook group that goes along with it. 
and uh, it's called the Rebel Speaker Podcast. And we, like, someone in there is a conference planner. So he's planning a conference, and he posted this really bad pitch for speaking at his conference. Like, it was pretty much like it said, hello, not even his name, and I'm so-and-so, and I speak on such-and-such, and I'm awesome. That was pretty much the email. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't like going out and blindly pitching, and instead I like to leverage my network. All of my best speaking gigs have come because people know me and they want to bring me in or they've seen me speak at another gig. Because if you go in and you have a great speech that's basically a great – I mean, you're selling this product on stage when you're delivering your speech – and someone sees you, you're more likely to get booked that way than doing a lot of outbound marketing and cold calling. Mm. So it's all about your network. Start there. Like if you are just starting out, get on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever social media platform is your preference and start looking at who you know in organizations where you want to speak and cultivate those relationships because that's how you get speaking gigs. It's not about, you know, cold calling a hundred million organizations to land one gig. It's about your, it's about the people you already know and how they're connected. So that's my advice. And that's how I get all my speaking gigs is through my connections. Love that. And so authentic too. And you know, the people whose stages you're speaking on, you already have a relationship with them. Like, what a great way to go in and connect to the audience when you've already connected with people running the event. Yeah. And the other thing is I was talking to an event or she, she organizes the what if conference. And basically she, you know, she does a call for speakers every year, but she only wants to hire speakers who first off are doers. She doesn't hire speakers. She hires doers, people who are taking action in other ways And secondly, she wants people who've been to our conference before. So if there's a conference you want Mm. to speak at, an organization, go. Go? Go and meet Mm. the people. Yeah. Can't can't emphasize that enough, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're coming to the end of our time together, but I want to end um, with asking you, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to write a book but hasn't been able to finish it and um, and I'll give a little caveat to that for you, which is, and uh, particularly for someone who wants to write a book that will help them get, get speaking gigs, what advice would you give them if they haven't been able to finish it? Oh, man. I think the biggest advice is to just think about the audience that you want to serve. Like, what problem do you want to solve for them? What challenge can you help them with based on – your expertise and based on how you do it differently than anyone else, because I think that is important, especially for getting speaking gigs. Your book has to solve some type of problem or challenge because no one is really going to hire you because, oh, you have such a great story. Unless, I don't know, like you climb Mount Everest, then yes, you could probably get hired because your story is so great. But for regular speaking, you know, opportunities, it's about what's in it for me? How is this serving? And then to get it Mm. done, it's, 
first off, I would say read Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art because that talks oh, about love resistance that. and will address how, why you're not getting it done. And then, honestly, it's about sitting your butt in the chair and just doing the work, like making it your priority because you have a bigger vision for this book and you just have to get the book done so you can get to that vision. Absolutely awesome. Well, Michelle Mazur is the author of Speaking Up For Your Business. You can check out her book, Speaking Up For Your Business, on Amazon.com. You can also check out Michelle on Dr. Michelle with two L's, Mazur, M-A-Z-U-R.com. Um, and Michelle, you have a new podcast, right? What's the name of that? Yeah, it's called the Rebel Speaker Podcast, and you can go to drmichellemazur.com backslash podcast and get info on it. Fantastic. So check out Michelle's podcast. Get a copy of her book for sure. And Michelle, thank you so much for being with us this week. Thank you for having me. It was great. Awesome. So, you guys, we are going to be back next week on Book Journeys. We'll hear another person's story, their personal book journey of of crossing the threshold from author in transformation to published author. That is what the show is all about. And meanwhile, I am going to go celebrate a very celebrated published author, J.K. Rowling, um, for Halloween. So I hope you guys all have a, a great Halloween, and we'll see you next week on the show. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.